0: Welcome to the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Blevins. This podcast is designed to empower, educate, and encourage women of all ages and stages of life in their walk with God. Our goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and topics relevant to your lives as Christians. We will have conversations with other leaders all along the way and discuss topics all of us want and need to hear. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy the journey with me. Hello, beautiful people. I'm so happy you decided to join me on today's episode of the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Blevins, and I hope you enjoy our time together today. As always, I want to thank you for dropping in because I know we were all busy, and we all have a long list of to-dos, so thank you so much for being with us today. My goal and intent for this space is to create a place where women feel empowered to live out their God-given destiny and also to establish a dialogue that is interesting and culturally relevant to our lives today. So if you are new here, welcome. I hope you will come back for more. All of my life, I have been drawn to beauty and I bet you have too. On today's episode, we're going to be talking all about my latest summer read by Timothy Willard called The Beauty Chasers, Recapturing the Wonder of the Divine. I have always thought of beauty only in an aesthetic sense, but I have dug deep into this subject for the past month or so, and now I am beginning to see it as so much more. We are drawn to beauty because we were created by the maker of all things beautiful. He made us in his image and he is altogether good and lovely, the Bible says, and we are to mirror him to the world around us. When I was in grade school on Sunday afternoons in the spring and summer, my mama would put me in the car and we would drive all over our small country town in the mountains of Western North Carolina. We would go and spend the afternoon looking at all the beautiful houses. As a child from a broken and messy home life, I would press my face against the car window as we rode by and I would imagine in my mind living in one of those houses. At night, as nighttime would approach, the house lights would slowly begin to turn on as my mom and I made our way back towards home, which was usually with my grandmother most of the time. I would see the soft lights inside those houses and wonder about the families. I wondered if the little girls who lived there felt safe and secure, or if, like me, they weren't ever 100% sure what a day would bring their way. I think I was drawn to beauty as a child because my grandmother was a curator of sorts. She was a buyer for a large department store and she loved beautiful clothing and jewelry. I don't think she was always maybe the kindest mother to her children, but she did pass along a love of beautiful things to me. As I have grown much older now, there is a different lens through which I view the beauty of life. It isn't so much about clothing and jewelry and stuff now, even though a beautiful piece of art can totally stir my heart for sure, but now I'm beginning with each passing year to view beauty as something deeper, more holy, and more God-centered. Even the idea and creativity to begin Sisterhood 10 years ago was because I had a longing to create a beautiful space for women to gather, to feel a part of, to be seen, and to feel valued. Sisterhood has been an outworking of beauty for me. In the book, The Beauty Chasers, Timothy Willard addresses the works of C.S. Lewis to a very great extent. He explains that when Lewis wrote about the term beauty, the word he used to communicate an accurate biblical understanding of the word was actually love. He didn't just use beauty to describe objects he admired or that he found pleasing to the eye, like aesthetically. Instead, he described beauty as a staging point for something much bigger than mere aesthetic pleasure. Lewis tries to get us to understand that the true beauty is in slowing down and listening with our hearts to a good God, to look at the world through those kind of eyes. Remember the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? They found a hidden portal within a wardrobe that opened up to a world where there was a fawn with an umbrella and he told grand tales of wonder. But he says, if we listen with our hearts to God, this is C.S. Lewis, that God will lead us out of the ugliness that life sometimes bring, brings our way into a secret passageway where there is a true lion inside. And that lion really does want to take us on grand adventures. If only we will let him. Now, by now, you're probably saying, Harriet, get on with us. Give us this definition of beauty. But I can't do that because beauty defies definition. You and I experience beauty through four primary ways, through nature, through art, through the human form, and through the everyday charms of life. We have beautiful things, beautiful experiences, Physically beautiful people, beautiful talk, beautiful acts, beautiful art, beautiful math, beautiful science, beautiful feelings, beautiful work, beautiful faith, beautiful aliveness. And we cannot diminish beauty to just spiritual life because when we do, we diminish its potential to change us by drawing us closer to God. See, we tend to reduce things in our modern world, don't we? You know, we like to boil it all the way down. But the Hebrew people, they didn't really understand such a limited view of beauty. Beauty was a given in their world because they related it to life with God, and they saw beauty within his created order everywhere. And I will stand by that too. In God's creation, nothing needs to be spiritualized by humans because it was created sacred already. Beauty isn't one-dimensional. God intended beauty to be a part of who we are because it is who he is. And we are in him through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see, beauty is powerful. As Timothy Willard says, beauty rises. Beauty will move me from my spot. It invites me over to explore beyond the boundaries out into the edges of life, through the wardrobe, into the forest, and beyond. John O'Donohue's quote about beauty is, Beauty is so quietly woven through our ordinary days that we hardly even notice it. C.S. Lewis also came to understand and realize that beauty isn't some grandeur. It's wrapped up in our everyday lives as we live those lives for the Lord. Have you ever thought about beauty and what it teaches us about God? I really never have until I was reading this book. In a sense, I would definitely say now that beauty is most definitely life-giving. In our modern age, we want instant knowledge because it makes us feel probably more in control, or at least it does for me. I've often been known to say knowledge is power. But for centuries, it was God's mystery that prompted so many to deem him as other, and I say that in quotations, for centuries, other people, because of God's mystery, they would, they would call him and deem him as other, basically saying he was beyond all understanding and reason, incomprehensible and unique. There's a Latin term, sui generis, and that was used to describe God during what was known as the age of reason. And what it means is of its own kind or unique, sui generis, of its own kind or unique. I would definitely say that's our God. We have an awfully hard time accepting that in our age of information. That's why most of the time we describe beauty as an aesthetic. In Genesis 1.10, God saw what he had made and he said it was good. Now, this word good could be better translated as beautiful. So to him, we are beautiful. You, my friend, are beautiful to him. And he is perfect beauty. Remember the scripture that says, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty God shines forth. He is the perfection of beauty, the total definition, if there ever was one. And then you and I are created in his image. That's all a little hard to take in. We sense the divine because we are created in his image. All hearts are restless until they find their home in God. That's what Augustine said. See, beauty matters because it connects us with the heart of God, a good, good God. Reading this book, I had a very strange sensation. It almost shocked me. Timothy Willard begins to describe the very mountains I grew up in, the bee balm that lines the Blue Ridge Parkway, the mountain air cooling 10 degrees with every thousand square feet or thousand feet of elevation as you go up. You begin at 85 degrees then 75, then it cools off to that beautiful 65 degrees. And then there's the sweet smell of mint, of bergamot, pine, and fir. His words wrapped around my childhood memories where these mountains were always center stage. The heights, the ranges, and all their glory. He says he believes that he would find angels gathered there and listen in on their meetings. Have you ever been to a physical location where your eyes couldn't drink in the sheer beauty of all you were seeing and experiencing? Your eyes, your ears, even your smell, all your senses heightened because of beauty. The beauty we experience here on earth is no accident. God created it all with a deep, deep intention, care, and love. He created it with an irresistible flare to draw us to Himself. And yet, As Willard says, the beauty of all that natural wonder is not sufficient for spiritual salvation. Beauty unconnected to God leads humans into pagan idolatry. God says he will destroy all beauty that is not rooted in him in Isaiah 28. God's creative touch fills our world. It fills this beautiful coastline of ours. If you live near me on the North Carolina coast of the Atlantic Ocean, then you are well acquainted with natural beauty, the sea. There's nothing quite as beautiful as the sea or as formidable and powerful. God's great love is like the ocean. We cannot even fathom the strength of that, but something inside of us loves the ocean for that very reason. It's scary and wonderful, All at the same time. So over the next couple of episodes, we're going to journey or actually chase this beauty, this undefinable thing. We will search for it as for gold and treasure. And hopefully we will awaken to the beauty in this world. The bird song, the trees waving in the breeze, and everything we have currently muted that used to be sacred and full of the language of God himself. Even the thunder that he speaks during a storm. We muted the conversation with God. He didn't. We walked away. He didn't. Does the beauty you know possess both the wonder and the power to crush darkness? That's the kind of beauty I want to find and experience the, for the rest of the life that I have here to live on earth. C.S. Lewis created a word for this, and it's terudi. I'll, I'll spell it for you. It's t e r r e. A-U-T-Y. It's the terrible and the beautiful all in one. See, we need more than a high five God. We need the terrible and the beautiful God of the universe. How did we get to a place where we no longer appreciate beauty? Because of the plastic people. We're going to be discussing them and more in the next episode, so I hope you will stay tuned for that. Let me pray for us today as we end. Father God, You know, we need help. You know, we have become blind and you know that our senses and our spirits are dulled because of the world around us. Awaken us today, Lord. Help us to see all you have created for us to be a part of here on earth. Help us not to miss it. If we have had drift, pull us back to your heart. Pull us back to where we can once again hear you speaking to our hearts about all the beauty you have for us. We belong to you, Jesus. We are yours, and we pray all of this in your powerful and terutiful name. Amen. Now, I want to leave you again today with a tip of the day, and today's tip is for you to create daily rituals. Now, I think our daily rituals say a lot about us. You may have a personality uh, that likes to do different things every day, and I know that person because I'm married to him, and his name's Tim, and no two days ever look the same for him. I would totally lose my mind living like that because I love habits, even though I thrive on big changes in my life, and I know that sounds weird. So let me break it down about a daily ritual. I will give you an example of mine, and yours will most likely look completely different. So here's a ritual. I get up early, and I mean early, early. I like to be up before the sun if that's at all possible. I light the fireplace if it's cold, and I also light candles. I have a small lamp, and I turn that on because it doesn't blind me. I make my way to the kitchen and make my coffee while drinking a huge glass of water, about 10 ounces to begin with, and then I sit down with my Bible reading for the day while my coffee begins to brew. Right now, I'm working methodically through the book of Romans. I believe I'm getting a better viewpoint of this deep book every single day, and it's been really exciting for me to do this study. After my reading, I may or may not journal for the day and write something. Then I turn on YouTube, and I know that's probably funny to some of you, but that is my television because I put it on a nature channel, and it it plays instrumental music, uh, mostly hymns, while beautiful landscapes and nature come before my eyes. Beauty, I am drawn to it. I already told you that. But I no longer watch any TV news whatsoever. Next, I have my breakfast, and then I head out to my workout, either walking, lifting weights, or Pilates, then home to shower and begin my day of work or whatever that may entail. This simple morning ritual, you can call it a routine, serves me well. It helps me put the first things first, and it helps me center and begin the day with a good head and a good heart space. I would love to hear from y'all what rituals you have in place in your lives. I bet we could learn all kinds of new things from each other, and that's all I have for now. So I hope you heard something that encouraged you today. Go make today both awesome and beautiful. I'll see you next time on the Sisterhood and Co. podcast.